the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Where we're sitting now, we're very well positioned um, with, with the capital we have, with, uh, with where we are financially, and we feel we're well positioned to start this offseason and really improve this roster. Free agency almost here, and we are going to get you ready. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Can't Wait podcast. I'm Tim McMaster along with Connor Hughes, our Jets reporter at The Athletic, and our producer, Marissa Morris. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating. We're actually up over 200 ratings on Apple, so we really appreciate that. Thank you for leaving those good reviews. Um, we're going to talk about Joe Douglas's press conference last week a little bit, but more, fo- more looking forward to free agency But we got to start somewhere else because we're going to start Monday morning with a little bit of romance because one free agent is no longer available. (laughs) That is our producer, Marissa Morris, agreeing to a lifelong contract with Michael Dunn over the weekend. Congratulations, Marissa. (laughs) Thank you very much. You you nailed that intro, Tim. That was great. Um, Yes, I got engaged this weekend. It was very exciting. Um, I was very surprised. Um, at our alma mater, the University of Maryland, for anyone knows, you know, I'm a huge Terps girl. So that was very exciting. Um, he lured me there with the concept that we were going to a Maryland football recruiting event. So that's what I thought I was going to at the University of Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> so everything in my life is centered around football, basically. Um, so yeah, it was pretty amazing. Um, got to see my family afterwards they all surprised me there and then when I came back to New Jersey yesterday they had an outdoor little COVID safe safe gathering with all my cousins so it was very incredible he did an amazing job and I'm so excited you were surprised he got you I knew you knew it was like you know obviously you get to a point I think where you know it's coming like when you're in a relationship that long here's the thing like being the journalist like I'm like I would like to think I'm a little bit like part detective, private investigator. So it's like very hard to get anything past me, like anything. So he worked with my cousin and picking out the ring and everything. And he deleted like every message possible. So in order to get me to go to this Maryland football recruiting event, he had he contacted the Maryland football PR director and said, can you send me a fake text message saying the date and when it is and the time because he knew I would say, well, send me the details of what he said. Like, I want to see a screenshot of what, you know, what we're going to, like, what do I need to wear? You know, so (laughs) he had the receipts. He had proof of that. So that one threw me off. And then also being the nosy daughter that I am, my, I have my mom's location (laughs) on my find your friends and I track my mom very often. And I could see she was in New Jersey. We went to Maryland to visit his family for the weekend. Like, that's what we were going for. And then the recruiting event. So the fact that my mom was in New Jersey and I tracked her locations many times that day threw me off because I was like, my mom would be here if this was... I'm very close with my mom. So it's like, my mom would be here (laughs) if this was happening. So the fact that my mom was... Her little dot was still in New Jersey... I was like, okay, well, turns out she left her phone at home on purpose. Brilliant. Because she knows that I'm a detective. She didn't want to turn her location off and get me like notified, you know. So they did an amazing job. It was super exciting. And I was just through, through, like, just threw me off and it was amazing. So. The, uh, they want to see the, the chat ring. on. Yeah, exactly. They, they want to see, see the, the ring. ring. There it is. I got to get it sized a little bit. Michael right. Dunn doing well. Wait, I can't really. There we go. Yeah, That's it's a, a good little, one. Right. It's a little big, but. It's a diamond um, or the ring size. I can probably characterize them both in there. Yeah. I yeah, gotta, you're right. I got to get a little, uh, a little smaller, but he did an amazing job. My cousin really helped him. She did. She, she really showed him what I liked and helped pick everything out. So I have to thank her a lot. And. She's the one that threw our outdoor party yesterday with my family. So, I think I think I think your cousin took him in there and shopped for shopped for a diamond. Like I shopped for a TV. What's the biggest <laughs> one here? Let's get that. Let's get that. Well, actually, let's so grab they, did that one. A, they did it over Facetime. He went in the store by himself and just Facetimed oh, yeah. her with everything. So 
yeah, he, he, he did an amazing job. Like I'm, again, to pull anything over on me too is like very, very impressive. So he made it the whole weekend so special and I'm very excited to now plan a wedding. So, and of course you'll be, you'll be inviting all of our listeners to the wedding, <laughs> yes, right? Everyone's invited and along with my giant Italian family. The more, the merrier, you know. <laughs> Michael comes from a big. Can I just family, do it at Yankee so. Stadium? Just, yeah, just exactly. do it at Yankee Stadium. You'll be exactly. Good. So, <laughs> uh, we got to get Michael on here now to get his side of the thing. We got, we got to get Michael's yeah. side He's, of the story on here. So, Next so week. he actually did say. You know, like, I had to get I, this fake press release because she wouldn't get off my ass, and she just now kept that, asking. You know, I did tell the story about his playoff game and you know him starting against the Steelers and that being a very nervous event, like his first NFL start in a playoff game against the Steelers, against Cam Hayward. So he did say he was more nervous for this than he was for that game. So, really? <laughs> yes. Nice. <laughs> which is, which I knew he was very nervous for that game. So he must have been pretty nervous for this. But he nailed both of them, he, the game and, and this. So he did an amazing job. He, very grateful. <laughs> nice job, Michael and Gun. Congratulations again. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yeah, cool stuff. All right, should we talk about the Jets? To play that new, uh, not, how much time is it going to buy him to play some PlayStation and, yes. and invest in stocks? <laughs> like, there's no more. Like, he yeah. can go all in on the next GameStop trend, right? There's no, yes, there's no hold back. Video about games with Connor for the next few weeks, and I want to. Weeks. <laughs> Look down at yes. that finger. I thought that rock got, got him at least a month, uh, a couple okay, months month. there. Like, holy cow. <laughs> deal <laughs> so all right let's move on to the uh to the new york jets there's no good transition from uh the producer got engaged to let's talk about <laughs> the team so we'll just get right to it um well we could talk about the the possible splitting of quarterback and team maybe on, on the, the dark end but let's start with joe douglas's press conference from last week connor which we would have had quicker reaction to but i i was off last week so uh, my fault on that one don't blame anyone else um but not a lot came out of that press conference. It was a general, like, you know, GM talks about the team, blah, 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 exactly what you'd expect. But there were a few things. Um, one that we'll get to is that you, well done, hypothetically kind of asked him about Deshaun Watson, and he kind of answered about Deshaun Watson, even though he's not allowed to. But that was well done. But before that, Sam Darnold was the, the bigger headline grabber. And just the fact that, he now says he'll answer the call when calls are made about Sam Darnold. And that's a movement from, you know, a little while back where he had said he'll answer the phone on anybody except his franchise quarterback. So it is a little bit of a change. Was that really the thing that stood out most to you from that press conference? Yeah. And look, I mean, Joe was prepared for the Deshaun question. I remember I, t I talked to him after the presser and he goes, he's like, I kind of figured one was going to be coming. He goes. And when I was taught, like, obviously the jets prepare these guys for like, they have the whole media relations staff that pull them aside and say like, Hey, you're probably going to be asked this. If you're asked this answer it this way, you're probably going to ask this. So I, I was no tampering, no tampering. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't, I literally wasn't four words. And like, I guess the, the, we're over a zoom call, but I wasn't three or four words into the question before Joe started laughing. And like when I saw Joe laughing, was I was like, all right, he knows what's coming. And then I, look, I think the way that he answered it was as well as he can answer it. And, and I, it's, it's tough because specifically, and there's, I mean, look, we, we've talked about Deshaun Watson. Now, I feel like endlessly since the whole Deshaun Watson wants to be traded thing has come out. We've, we've talked about it 17 different ways. I, I think that after listening to Joe speak, and after listening to him answer that question, I didn't get the perception that he was somebody that was gearing up to make an absurd trade for a guy. Because that's what it's going to cost to get the Sean Watson. I mean, you're talking about number two, number 23, at least two more first-round picks. I've got a story probably coming this week on when I called a handful of people around the NFL saying, like, what do you think Deshaun Watson could go for? Like, not what... Texans people want not what the Jets are willing to give what do you think ultimately would, would get a deal done and and you've got Quinn and Williams thrown in there you've got you know maybe Denzel Mims thrown in I mean you've got all these different pieces I mean it's going to cost a massive haul to try to trade for Deshaun Watson because it's very I mean honestly I, I can't I, I can't ever recall in my life and I know it's not that long but I can't ever recall in my life 
a player of Deshaun Watson's stature being available and a player of Deshaun Watson's stature being traded. I mean, you hear about, um, you know, like when Jay Cutler got dealt, you know, or when Brett Favre got dealt later on in his career or Matt Stafford getting dealt when he's 32. I mean, Deshaun Watson's not 32. The guy's 25 years old. He's, a, a what, been in the league five years. He's a four-time Pro Bowler. I mean, he is a top-five quarterback in the NFL. I mean, he is an MVP candidate every single year as long as he plays and, and as long as he's healthy. And he really hasn't had injury issues since his first year when he got hurt in practice or something like that. So, I mean, this is a, a guy who's uh, reliable. This is a guy who's ridiculously productive and a guy who's young and he doesn't have very many injury concerns at all. So the fact that he's even on the trade block is still unbelievable. And if he's actually going to get dealt, it's going to be dealt for a massive haul. And and the way that Joe answered that question gave off, I, I'm not giving up those picks. That's what it gave off, in my opinion, was that I'm not going to be trading all those picks. Now, I don't know if he was saying that because he is still under the perception that Deshaun Watson is not going to get traded. I mean, I reached out to, to one personnel director who told me even in light of all of this, he still doesn't see Deshaun Watson getting dealt. So I don't know if that's why Joe Douglas was phrasing it that way. I don't know if it's if it's uh, positioning where he's not going to say like, oh yeah, we're willing to go out and do whatever it takes to get this guy done because then when negotiations actually start for a trade, the Texans can come over and be like, well, you know, you said in your conference and, and your media availability that we, you are willing to give up all these picks and now you're only offering us this. So what's the deal? We know we can get more out of you. So I don't know if that played a role in it at all. I mean, I don't know, but what I do then dissecting it further and when I went back and I actually read the transcript that was sent out, not, not listened to it, but actually read every single word. There were several other situations where Joe made reference to building through the draft and he made several references to the number of draft picks that the Jets have accumulated. And this was, I mean, the Deshaun Watson question was the second, the veiled Deshaun Watson question was the second to last question asked. So this was not on his mind when it was asked. And he made reference to the draft picks he's accumulated, the means that they have to turn this franchise around, the means that they have to build this right, how they can build it through the draft. He made all of these references where I kind of thought in my head, this does not sound like a guy who has spent the last year and a half accumulating. If, if you're just talking specifically about this year, the Jets have more picks within the first four rounds than they have ever had in franchise history. Even when they had the four first round picks in one year. I mean, they have never had this many draft picks. Six picks they've got in the first four rounds of the draft. They've got a chance to add even more with the Sam Darnold trade. I mean, they've never had this much before in their history. I mean, so it's, it, he did not sound like a guy that spent so much time getting all of this to now just throw it all at one player. Now, granted, look, it's Deshaun Watson. Maybe it's a little different. And maybe that the fact if he's actually made available, things change. But listening to Joe, I think that was probably my number one takeaway was um, that, that he didn't sound like somebody that's about ready to go make an insane uh, uh, the Deshaun Watson deal. Uh, and, and probably number two right after that was were the comments that he made on Sam. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So the one thing that was also asked about him a little bit was like, you know, last year <laughs> you didn't really do much during free agency, certainly no big splashes, and it didn't work out. I mean, they went 2-14. and 14. Obviously, the, the Band-Aid approach was an was a epic failure for this team, but it was also a chance to build to this year. So when we look at a week from now and when free agency officially opens across the NFL um, do you expect the same approach? Um, can we take last year's print from the Jets and say, okay, Joe Douglas is going to go into this with the same approach as he did a year ago? Now, understanding that there's a lot better fits available this year than there were last year. So in theory, right, Connor, he could go into this free agency period with the exact same approach that he had a year ago and end up with some big time signings because they're better fits than they were a year ago when nothing seemed to really match up. Yeah. Uh, I think the thing to remember about the jets free agent approach last year. And so I'm trying to tweet too, and I definitely can't do this. So I'm going to have to have Marissa take over again <laughs> the, for the podcast next week. I just like, I'm trying to tweet, like, are the Jets going to make any free agent splashes? And I was like, are the Jets splashed free agents? I was like, hey, like this isn't working. So I only try this. Will, because I also forgot to ask. I'm just going to wait. 
Marissa can take over this. I also have to, I forgot to, I'm, while trying to tweet too, I forgot to answer the fact that you asked me about Sam Darnold to start, not even Deshaun Watson. So I'm, I'm all over the place. I can't, I can't do both. We're going to have to, I'm passing it off to Marissa again. The next, next Fair podcast enough. we're doing that. We're starting, Marissa's going to be tweeting again. Um, but the thing to remember about the Jets free agent approach last year um, is that Joe had the means to go after and get whatever player he wanted and give that player whatever contract Joe wanted to give him in order to get him here. The idea that the Jets were cheap, the idea that Christopher Johnson gave the Jets a tight budget, all of this garbo. I mean, it's, 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 it was wrong. I mean, that's, I, I don't know how, uh, I don't know what other way to put it. I mean, it was, it was, it was wrong. It was, the, the report that that was out there, that that happened was, was not accurate. It wasn't true. I mean, I talked to both sides of the equation in that story and they were like, uh, no, that's not true. So it, it's wrong. Um, but like with that specifically, it's, there just weren't the players out there last year. I mean, when the Jets assessed that free agent market, and I think we talked about it last, I mean, we've done so many of these episodes now that it's, it's kind of easy to forget what, what I, you know, we talked about two weeks ago as opposed to six months ago. But when the Jets made the, when the Jets kind of bowed out of free agency last year, it wasn't because of a budget. It was because when they assessed free agency, they did not see tier one a free agents you know like the, the year before the jets viewed cj mosley as an a free agent they they looked at him and said i have no idea how that guy hit free agency i have no idea why the ravens even let him hear offers from somebody else had they not franchise and we need him in our building we need cj mosley in our building let's go out there and do whatever it can whatever we can to get him in our building that was a joint effort between mike mccagnan and adam gase because they viewed him as an a guy they wanted to go get him when they looked at free agency this year, they didn't see A free agents. They saw B free agents like Jack Conklin, who they thought, okay, that guy's going to get A free agent money, even though he's a B free agent because of the, the receiving group that's out there. They viewed Robbie Anderson in a similar light. They thought he would get A free agent money because he was maybe the top option out there when he was really a B free agent. They saw that in the same way with Graham Glasgow, the guard, you know, when Brandon Sheriff and Joe Tooney, two players that the Jets were willing to go above and beyond to go sign and above and beyond to go out there and get, they viewed him as a guy that was going to get A free agent money when he was a B free agent. So Joe said, I'm not going to give that kind of money to those players because I don't necessarily believe that's the right way to build this because we're also going to be hurt. Now, there were also concerns with the Jets uh, that the Jets had about what the salary cap situation was going to look like this year. They didn't know if there was going to even be an NFL season because that was like right when we were starting to hit heavy duty COVID talk. I mean, I, I think it's, it's crazy. Like the, the legal tampering period is about the same time. Like it, it's the way that I remember it. It's like, I played in a, the Ramblewood Shamrock scramble, like with four of my friends and I'm playing in the same Shamrock scramble this Saturday. And like, we went to that scramble and like, it was still, the world was like, we were talking about COVID and there were rumors of everything shutting down, but there was like, no, there was like still like is this COVID thing real? I think real? today I remember, today is the one year of Rudy this, Gobert, and I believe it was today. I th yeah, so that's like people. Is were it talking I know about. March twelfth was the last day like everybody went to work. Yeah, that's the one My thing that I remember. My birthday is the fourteenth, so I was yeah. like the first COVID birthday. So. I that's uh, it very well. <laughs> no, yeah. So, so like we we went to this tournament and we were like, all right, so, like we're playing. And I remember calling them like, hey, is this COVID thing going to impact this? And they were like, no, we don't think so. Like, I mean, if you're nervous about it, you don't have to come. But no, we're still doing it. And we did the whole golf tournament. I remember we went to like the clubhouse after for drinks. Bree came and met us. Uh, one of our best friends came and met us. And we went out to like bar. And I remember us being at another bar. Like we went to another bar after it. And like because they were supposed to have a live band. And calling all of the other bars in South Jersey and being like, hey, and even into Philly and being like, hey, do you guys have any live music? We don't want to listen to DJ or watch, like, do we want to go listen to music and, like, dance and stuff? And they were like, no, we told all our DJs to go home and we told all the whatever to go home. We're kind of actually closing up early. And we're like, man, this is weird. Next day, whole country shut down. So, like, mm -hmm. back then, that was, like, the hype. That was when the legal tampering period was about to begin, was that moment, which is the same time this year. And Joe was like, I don't know. We don't even know if there's going to be an NFL season. Like, we don't know if there's going to. So we're not going to go sign and give out a boatload of money when we don't know what the cap's going to look like. We don't know what uh, uh, this regular season's going to Like, it's not worth like, it. Like, it's not it. So what the Jets chose to do is they took a more passive approach. They saved a lot of their money instead of giving it to players that they didn't believe it was worthy. And they geared up because they realized that this free agent class had a chance to be significantly more robust. So, yes, Joe Douglas, if you go through and you read what he said and you listen to what he said, 
He said, no, we believe in building this through the draft. We're not going to take a different free agent approach than last year. But their free agent approach last year was that if somebody is there that they deem is worth it, they will go out there and sign him. They just didn't see anybody last year that they believed was worth it, so they didn't go out and signing him. Free agent class this year is significantly different. They, The Jets have known, dating back to when I talked to people over in that front office in November, that there was going to be a robust free agent class, and you're seeing it happen. I mean, there are so many teams that are up against the cap. There are so many teams that are positioned with cap turmoil that there's going to be opportunities for the Jets to feast while all of these other teams are, are kind of having to starve. And and you see, that's why you see Allen Robinson potentially hitting out there. Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster, Curtis Samuel. I mean, those are all players that if even one of those guys hits free agency, he would have been the number one receiver in available last year. And they are going like at Corey Davis, Corey Davis, the Titans receiver. If he's a free agent this year, he would have been the number one free agent wide receiver last year. There's a chance. He's like a second tier sixth best option on the market this year. Like that's how much more robust this class is going to be. Look at the pass rushers who was a pass rusher last year. Now you're looking at, at potentially Yannick, uh, uh, Matt Judon is maybe there. Shaq Barrett. You got to see the bucks are kind of pressed up against the cap. You don't know what's going to be going on there. I mean, there are so many, uh, Carl Lawson, there are so many potential free agent options or a free agent options, a pass rusher that were not there last year. Offensive linemen, you got a chance that Brandon Sheriff and Joe Tooney are both available this year. So, I mean, there's so many other options that, yes, Joe Douglas is not going to go batshit crazy in free agency and just start throwing money everywhere and giving Le'Veon Bell $52.5 million and, and giving C.J. Mosley that, you know, $85 million. You know, Joe Douglas in that negotiation, would the Jets have been in on C.J. Mosley? Yes, but he would have had a walkaway number. The walkaway number that Mike McCagnan threw out the window and Scott, you know, just kept jumping over like, oh, no. All right, you want 70? Okay, here's 80. Okay, you got it. Okay, here's 85. Like, he just kept going higher and higher and higher. That's something that's not going to happen this year. Like, it's, but he's still going to be involved. Like, that's the whole thing is that last year, the Jets didn't sign anybody because they didn't believe anybody was worth signing. This year is different because of how robust the free agent class is going to be. So, yes, Joe Douglas is still going to have his walkaway numbers. Yes, Joe Douglas is still going to be passive in, in some extent. He's not going to throw absurd money to guys that he believes are second tier, but he's going to be more active because the market dictates him being more active. And I think the way that he phrased it was like, when value and opportunity meet, we have the means to go and attack. And unlike last year, there are going to be opportunities on the market this year where the value and opportunity meet. So free agency is coming up and we have a lot of questions in the chat, Connor, about Marcus May. So can you give us the latest on May and the Jets? Yeah, I think the Jets are still just waiting to figure out what the cap's going to be before they tag them. I mean, they're like, they're going to... One of the reasons why... Um, one of the reasons why there hasn't been that initial contract and Joe Douglas said it was like, they've been getting to know the staff. They've been going through this thing. And then this last week and this week is when they want to start contacting the agents of their prospective free agents to try to get an idea of what their number is that they want, what their number is that they're looking for, what they're going to kind of figure out. Now, the way that the legal tampering period works, and I've written this story. I, I kind of like write this story yearly because it's just a, an easy one. And I think it's informative and it helps people understand. But like one of the ideal situations of the legal tampering period is that it allows, yeah, some deals do get done. Like some teams do agree to contracts with prospective free agents and they figure them out and like all this stuff. But the main thing that the legal tampering period is uh, made for is so that free agents can get a general idea of their value. And I remember talking to a handful of agents about this over the last few years, like when I write this story every year, and it's that you have a, a player, right? Like Marcus May. Like Marcus May is a guy that the Jets want to make back. The Jets are going to offer him a contract to retain him. The Jets offer him a, hypothetically speaking, three-year, $30 million contract. Well, until the legal tampering period, that is the only contract that Marcus May can have the numbers of. That's that's the only deal that he can know he's about. So he can say, screw that. I'm worth I'm worth 60 million a year. I'm worth 50 million a year. I'm worth, I'm worth 55. I mean, you can say that, but you have nothing to compare it to. So what the legal tampering period allows is that, okay, you've got your offer from your current team. It allows your agent to go out into the open market, go out to all of the other teams that might potentially be interested in that, in that, uh, in your player and get other offers to try to figure out that worth. You know what I mean? So if the jets come out and they say, okay, we'll give you three years, 30 million, hypothetically speaking. And then Marcus may the legal tampering period begins. And suddenly 
the Miami Dolphins are offering Marcus May $40 million, And the Cleveland Browns are offering him $45 million. And then he's got an offer from the Giants who are going to let Jabril Peppers go and give Marcus May $50 million. I mean, there are... The, that agent for Marcus May, Eric Burkhart, can now then take those and go back to the Jets and say, we're not signing three for 30 because we know that we're going to hit free agency and we're going to go sign with the Miami Dolphins for $45 million or for $50 million or for $60 million. Like it, it allows you to talk to other teams to actually determine your market value. So if I was Marcus May, I, I think that Burkhart was upset at the fact that there had been very little... Um, <laughs> I see the... the uh, it's from code. Um, I, I I think that Marcus May was probably, or Marcus May is a little annoyed at the fact that there has been little co- communication, but Joe Douglas said, okay, this is the week where we're doing that. So yeah, there hasn't been that much conversation other than we want to bring you back. But Joe said like, okay, this is the week when we're planning on starting those conversations. Now, if I'm Marcus May and I'm Marcus May's agent, unless the Jets blow me away with this absurd offer, I'm probably not signing anything until I get to the legal tampering period because that's when you can actually determine your worth. And then... Uh, if you're the Jets' perspective, well, you don't want him to get to the legal tampering period, you so you'll probably hit him with the franchise tag. Ultimately, I think that's what happens. I think that the Jets are going to tag Marcus May. I think that they're going to they're going to tag it, and what they're going to wait on is that what is the final salary cap number, so we know what kind of tag we're going to use. Is it going to be transition tag? Is it going to be franchise tag? What we're going to do? But Marcus May is going to be back with the Jets next year. The the Jets are not going to let him go. They're not going to allow a repeat situation of. Um, they are not going to allow the repeats. And Dan Graziano of ESPN was just reported how the NFL and NFLPA are, are waiting on the final salary cap number to hope that the TV deal gets done so that you can kind of boost the number there. And maybe instead of $180.5 million uh, salary cap, you could look, you know, 200, 200, like whatever the deal could potentially, that could obviously change things so much for so many people. Um, but I, I think that ultimately what you're going to have is the Jets are going to tag them. And it's just going to be a matter of... Um, what will, well, I think that's that's probably... Like obviously news is happening as we're, we're saying... Uh, yeah, it's just the same thing. Um, but it's the, they're waiting to see if they can push the tag back and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm you know, whatever. But there's a yeah, a lot of questions about that popping up. Would, would it benefit anyone if the tagging period is pushed back? Um, I'd have to think about that. I gotta like I I can't. I, it's tough to just answer on the fly. I gotta I gotta read more about that one. So I gotta see what's. I would. Um, it would impact the Jets, I think is safe to say. Like with the I, I don't know if it would benefit anyone them pushing it back, except for like if the if it's the cap is increased. Like if it's pushed back because the cap is increased and all that stuff. But I, like honestly, it's just a matter of I don't know. But the fact is is that Marcus May, I don't I, I would be stunned. I absolutely stunned if Marcus May is playing for any other team other than the Jets in 2021, because the Jets are not gonna want to let a respect an actually an actual team leader a respected actual team leader walk out the door. Like they're not going to want to have that happen. They're going to want to keep him in the building. They're going to want to show that they can take care of their own. They're going to want all that stuff to, to be ironed out. And they're, they're not going to let that happen. I don't want a repeat of the Robbie Anderson situation. They don't want to, they don't, they, he'll be with the Jets next year. It's just a matter of, is it going to be in a long-term contract or is it going to be in a franchise tag that buys them more time for a long-term contract? We'll see. Uh, I don't know. But if you're, like I said, if I'm Marcus May's side, I'm not signing anything until the legal tampering period because I would wait to the legal tamp unless the jets blow me away. I'm not, I'm not signing it because I want to know my value. I want to see like if you're an NFL player, it's not about play like, this whole garbo about like, you know, you want to play for the same team your whole career, get out of here, get as much money as you want. I mean, these NFL players are slamming their heads into each other for how long like, it's, it's a dangerous sport it is a physically taxing dangerous sport that has proven to take years off your life. Like screw get as much money as you can. Yeah, period. It doesn't matter if it's from the Jets or from the Dolphins or from the Texans or from the 40. Who the hell get as much money as you can and 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 that's it. That's priority number one, two, and three. So if that's priority number one, two, and three, don't sign the first offer you get. Wait till you get to the legal tampering period. You get to the legal tampering period and you hear, you know, this team's offering you more money than the Jets. Either accept that contract or take that back to the Jets and say, look. I do like that I've spent my whole career here, but I've got 35 million when you're offering me 30. Match it or I'm going there. And then it's up to the Jets to match it or not. So it, it's it, ultimately, I find it very hard to believe that Marcus May signs for anyone else just because it's a, you know, he'll, it'll either be the tag or a re signing. But I don't think it'll be, unless, unless he's tagged, which is when this deadline would be, uh, I don't see like a, a long term contract being agreed to until at least the legal tampering period. 
All right, that makes a lot of sense. All right, so we've been through the free agents that are available that make sense for the Jets. I feel like over and over and over again, over even back to the season at this point, since we had kind of given up on the season in week six. Um, so rather than go through those players again and explain why they're fits, Connor, I wanted to basically get your thoughts on we're going to rank, we're going to go position by position through a few positions and say, you know, rank the players in the likelihood of them signing with the Jets. So basically, I'm going to give you four wide receivers and you rank them in one, two, three, four. Who's the most likely for the Jets to sign second, third, and fourth? Um, and then we'll go through a few positions. Um, basically, making a game show out of this since everybody knows who these players are and why they make sense for the Jets. So let's start right there with receivers. I'll give you four Allen Robinson with the Bears, Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith Schuster, Chris Godwin. Rank them one through four. Who's most likely to go to the Jets? Can I throw five on there? Can I throw one yeah. fifth on there? I'll yeah, throw Curtis fifth. Samuel on there. So yeah, yeah, I'll go I'll go number one. I think the Jets are gonna sign Curtis Samuel. I think okay. that's something that's gonna happen because they're going off the board. Need, yeah, they 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 need playmakers. Um because of the current salary cap structure, Curtis Samuel is a slasher. So he's not a receiver, he's not a running back, he's like a hybrid. And for a team to sign somebody like Curtis Samuel, they need to have the cap flexibility to give a decent contract to a player that isn't necessarily at one position. So if you're, you know, a team like the Philadelphia Eagles, that's kind of pressed up against the cap. You don't necessarily have the luxury of signing a hybrid. You need to just have a receiver to run it. You can't, you can't have somebody that's like going to be somebody you have to game plan for, you know, Samuel is kind of like a better version of Tavon Austin when he was in a prime with the, the, the Rams. So uh, the jets are one of those teams that needs playmakers. Uh, they're one of those teams that needs players like him and they also have the the financial flexibility to be able to add a slasher. So I, I would say number one, I think is Curtis Samuel. Like I, I think that I think that he's the guy that the Jets are going to end up signing. Um, the rest of these dudes, like the Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith Schuster, Chris Godwin. It's uh, obviously we're playing the game of are any of them going to get tagged? Um, I would say that after that, I would go. Uh, at, uh, it's like how they would like guys they would sign. I would say the the likelihood of the pursuing like the guy that's going to be atop yeah. the Jets board. Um, right. I would go Allen Robinson two, uh, Kenny Galladay three, uh, Juju Smith Schuster four, and then Chris Godwin five. And the only reason I put Chris Godwin five is I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I think there's like zero chance that he hits the free agent market. Um, and the other reason I have Juju and Chris Godwin a little bit lower is they're both slot receivers. Like Juju's a slot, Chris Godwin's a slot. The Jets already have Jamison Crowder, so if the Jets want to cut Crowder, take that ten million and invest it into somebody who's a better slot receiver than Crowder, which Juju is better than Crowder, and uh, Chris Godwin's better than Crowder, then yeah, that's likelihood. But if the Jets want to say, okay, we're looking for something we don't have, which is an outside guy, it's going to put Allen Robinson and Kenny Galladay in front of him. Now, Kenny's, I think Kenny Galladay's like assuredly, assuredly getting that franchise tag. Allen Robinson's the one where I don't necessarily know if the uh, if the Bears are actually going to tag him. All right, let's move on to offensive line. Uh, I only have three names here, so feel free to throw in a fourth if you'd like. But <laughs> we have Joe Thune, Brandon Scherf, and Corey Lindsley, who's most likely to go to the Jets. Yeah, I go Thuny one, Lindsley Lindsley two, and then uh, Sheriff three. And the reason I say that is I've talked to people over in Washington, and the assumption is that Sheriff stays there. Um, that he's a guy that like uh, um, Ron Rivera is uh, pretty adamant right now in, in creating culture and, and taking care of their own. And and I talked to one person who said he would be stunned if if they allowed him to get out of there. So uh, I think the Sheriff is going to end up going back there either on a long term contract or they'll just tag him again. Uh, Tooney's the one who I, I, I'm pretty sure that I, I've talked to people. They don't expect him to be ta- like, I mean, granted, now here's the thing though. I, I talked to his reps la- like, uh, during the combine last year, Tooney's reps during combine last year. And they did not expect, like they had heard little rumors about a potential franchise tag, but they were like, no, the Patriots just paid their other guard. They've got other holes. Like they're not going to franchise tag him. They're going to let him walk. And then all of a sudden he got tagged and they're like, well, crap. Now the reason why the Patriots tagged him was because the top two teams that were pursuing him were the Jets and the Dolphins. The Jets obviously pivoted and went and signed Greg Van Roten. The Dolphins pivoted and brought in Eric Flowers. So they like they, like those two teams had contingency plans, but what the Patriots said is like, all right, this is kind of like a three birds, one stone, because A, we keep our player, and he's a very good player, so we keep a good player on our team. We also keep him away from the Dolphins, and we keep him away from the Jets. So we're weakening two divisional, two divisional opponents while we're also improving ourselves. Now, I don't think that's going to happen again. The expectations that he does hit free agency. And if he hits free agency, I think he's, he's just the, he's the definition of a Joe Douglas guy. He's reliable. He's versatile. And he's also good. Like he's a good football player and he's a good leader. And, and I think that he's definitely be the guy. So he would go one. 
I'd say Corey Lindsley number two, uh, just because I think that that the Jets have some flexibility with Greg Van Roten now, or not Greg Van Roten. I'm sorry, um, uh, uh, Connor McGovern. They have some flexibility with Connor McGovern, and that when McGovern was in Denver, he played both center and guard. Now he believes he's a better center than guard. However, he has that ability. So if you can go and get a, a top ten center, which is what Corey Lindsley is, if you can add him to your team, you can then kick. Uh, you, you add him, you can also add, I think you can sign both of them. You can sign Tooney and Lindsay and you can have both those guys and you can have, you know, McGovern and Van Roten compete it out. But you can also then, if you're moving McGovern to guard, you can cut Van Roten, which gives you more cap space. And you're already going to cut Alex Lewis, which is going to give you another more cap space, so all that fun stuff. So, uh, I would say that, that ranking those in order, I would go Tooney one, uh, Lindsay two, and then Sheriff three. All right. Edge rushers or, or pass rushers in general. I have four players here, Bud Dupree, Carl Lawson, Yannick Ngakwe. Did I get that right? And Shaq Barrett. Um, go one through four. Yeah. Uh, I'll go Carl Lawson one, Dupree two, Yannick three and Barrett four. Uh, the reason why I have Barrett four is just cause I don't think the Bucks going to let him go. If he's actually on free agency, I would sky, I would, I'll put him up to number one. I'll put him up to number one. If, if, if he's actually, I know he's more like 34 outside linebacker, but he does play some defensive end. I mean, the Bucks kind of have JPP and him playing like a 40, he's playing that Todd Bowles hybrid defense and Todd ran as much 43 as he did 34 with the Jets. So, uh, I, I would put Shaq number one if he's there. I just don't think the Bucks are going to let him go. So I would go uh, Carl Lawson one, Bud Dupree, because I'm a little concerned about that injury, Yannick, and then Shaq. Uh, the reason why I have Yannick number three is just because he's not really a Joe Douglas guy. Like, Joe wants the guys, like, he the first introductory press conferences, he wants guys who love losing or hate losing more than they love winning. And that's not really him. I mean, the guy, like, the guy's been chasing the paycheck his entire, like, he's not that that type of player. Like, he's just not. And he's a, he's a good player. And he's a solid pass rusher, but his best years also came when he was next to Calais Campbell and had Dante Fowler on the other side and was rotating. Um, who was the other defensive end they had? It was nasty in Jacksonville. I mean, that pass rush was just, it wasn't Darius there. Like that Jacksonville pass rush was absurd. Like, I mean, the two of us could get like three or four sacks because when we, they'd be focusing on everyone else, you just kind of have to get to the quarterback before he throws the ball. So uh, I think Yannick's best years are, are I don't, I don't know if he's as good as he's going to get paid. I would list him as like a B free agent who's going to get A money. Um, which is what not, I would say, like, I think Lawson's probably going to get a B contract, which you can, you know, kind of low, like a, a high upside, almost like what Shaq Barrett was when he signed with the Bucks, where it was like, oh, wow, he blew up out of nowhere. I think that's something that Lawson will enjoy. So I would say, uh, like I said, Lawson one, Dupree two, Yannick, and then Barrett and just Barrett low because of that reason. All right. That's the only positions I had. I was going to do corners, but then you start to look at corners and it's basically Richard Sherman. Um, so would you just say Richard Sherman won and leave it at that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Kawan Williams is the other guy from San Francisco who's dealt with a lot. Of, he's a big Salah likes him a lot. Um, he's just had a lot of injuries. Like I think he, he suffered a knee injury in 2019 and then missed like all of, or most of 2020 because of that knee injury. So I, I think that Sherman just makes so much sense. Like it's yep. the guy can still play some, I mean, he's not the player he was, uh, but he's also not going to cost the money to be the player that he was. So he's going to be somebody that can come and be a leader in the secondary with Marcus May. Uh, he's somebody that can be a starting corner. He's somebody that will help Bryce Hall get better. He'll help Bless Austin get better. Uh, he can bring in that. Um, he'll be able to bring in that uh, uh, swag that the Jets have kind of lacked for a while. He'll be able to help instill the culture that that Salah wants. So I think that he's a. I I, I would be stunned if the Jets don't add Richard Sherman just because like it's 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 the perfect of need. Like it's it's a it's a need signing. But it's also it's a, it's a signing that that helps. Like it's it, it's everything. Like it's it's just a right signing. And and the problem with corner is that the Jets need more than just him. But when you look at free agency, that that's not there. Like this isn't a free agent class where you've got players where you're like, oh, this is a number one corner. You can go sign him. You know, like I I, w- I don't think that this is somebody that this isn't a free agent class where there's no doubt top tier guys like there's a lot of number two guys there's a lot of good nickel corners but there's not this isn't a free agent class that's filled with guys where you're like that is a new this is a number one corner we're gonna give him a lot like when Stefan Gilmore was there there's no Stefan Gilmore in free agency this year and I think that the Jets are gonna realize that so while they need to address the secondary I think one of the best ways to do that is re-sign Brian Poole because he's a good nickel corner uh he has experience playing in this defense when he was in Atlanta so you can bring him back on nickel, you can sign Richard Sherman, and then you can draft a rookie. And you can draft a rookie at number 23. You can draft a rookie with the second-round pick. You can draft the rookie in a second-round pick if you trade Sam Darnold. You can draft a rookie with another first-round pick if you trade if you can create a bidding war and get a late one for Sam. And then what you can have is Sherman as one starter, 
Brian Poole in the nickel, and then you have the first-round pick rookie competing with Bless Austin, competing with Bryce Hall for that other corner spot, and that's what you can do with the secondary. And the one thing that, that will happen this year is that the um, Salah runs a lot of zone coverage. That's kind of his thing with, with corners. I know he said, like, oh, he wants corners that can win the 50-50 ball, which is true, but the his defense is kind of a, a zone set. Like, it's zone. It's a zone defense. It's a, a, a cover-two, cover-one zone defense. So um, – it's going to alleviate some of the pressure on the corners. The corners aren't going to have to do nearly as much as, as what they had to do in Greg Williams' defense or even in, in uh, Todd Bowles' defense where you're kind of manning up on the outside. It's going to be a lot of zone, which will help them. So uh, I think you'll have Bryce Hall. Uh, I think that's the best situation. You sign Richard Sherman, like I said. He starts at one corner. You re-sign Brian Poole, and then you have rookie Hall and Austin compete at the other spot. We've talked about it a lot. You can't fix it all in one season. And that's that's just shows you why, because the players just aren't always there to fix it in one season. You got to wait and next year, maybe there's a better fix or the, the players you draft this year develop into the players that you need going forward. All right. The one last segment I wanted to cover is <laughs> a trip down memory lane, the worst free agent signings in Jets history with the caveat that we're talking about since 2014. So recent Jets history, um, two reasons for that date. One, you think of six, since 2014, it kind of shows how the Jets got to this predicament where they went 2-14 and 14 in, in 2020. It also, coincidentally, is the year that Connor started covering the team. So a little more expertise for those years. So I have a short list of the worst signings. We would love your take, so throw them in in the chat as well. Uh, And actually, a good segue from uh, Dan Botter on the chat says, are there any players like Jermaine Johnson available out there on the free agent market this year? So we'll start there. Worst free agents since 2014, Connor. You have Tremaine Johnson in 2018, $72.5 million over five years. Oof. Le'Veon Bell, uh, Darrell Rivas, 2.0. In 2015, yeah. those are my three that really stand out. Um, any who else of those three? Who's the worst in your opinion? And is there anyone else that I'm missing? I give Revis some slack. I mean, it was a bad contract, but that was also an owner mandated contract. Just why when everyone's like, "Oh, we want Christopher back," we want, or not Christopher. I'm sorry, we want we want Woody back. We want Woody back. Like you remember that 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 Darrell Revis signing was Woody Johnson, right? Like yeah. you remember when the Jets went out there and got Tim Tebow? That's Woody Johnson, right? Like that that like he wants the splashes. He wants like he. He puts these people in place to to do their jobs, and he puts people in place to like do the football operations and everything. But then he'll step in and be like, "No, I actually want to do this now. No, you could, you're going to go and do this. No, you're going to make this. You're going to make this addition." And so it's like the Darrell Revis was like he did he that was a Woody signing. Like that was when Woody made the comment. Um, uh, he got he got fined for tampering because he said like, "Yeah, I'd love a reunion with Darrell Revis." So like that's why. But the same thing is like that first year in 2015. Darrell was good. Like, like Revis was, was a good, I mean, it fell apart in week 17 cause he got hurt and he was dealing with that wrist injury and Todd refused to give him any help. And he continued to have, I think it was Sammy Watkins that torched him in the, in the game that kept the jets out of the playoffs. But Revis and aside from that was a good player in 15. And then he just got really old in 16. And that was the problem, but you still got like one good year. When you're talking about Le'Veon Bell, when you're talking about Tremaine Johnson, you didn't get one good year out of those guys. You didn't get good seasons out of those guys. You got bad. Like, really, really bad. And I would say that one and two, I'm trying to figure out how I would rank those guys. Um, I would say Tremaine won just because he got more money. And and you got pretty much not. It's crazy as they had five. I think he had five interceptions his first year with the Jets, despite the fact he was so horrible. But uh, when I I remember I was talking to somebody, like, when things were going really, really bad with Tremaine. And they were going, like, they, they went pretty south. I was talking to an agent who's representing another corner. And he said, he goes like, he goes, I still can't believe I, it was the year after his first year with the jets. And I was like, well, the jets now need another corner because Tremaine's not working. And I was talking to this guy and he goes, you know, Connor, he goes, I can't believe that the jets gave Tremaine that contract. I was like, really? I was like, I thought he was like, he was, he was in LA. He was a press man corner. That's what Todd Bowles wanted. Press Todd wanted press man corners. And uh, he goes, he goes, Connor, he goes, everyone knew that Tremaine cared about two things. It was women and money. He goes, that was the only thing Tremaine cared about. He goes, and he went to the one city that was going to give him both. He goes, he was, he, and it was downhill from there. He goes, once he got the money and once he had the city that never slept, he goes, he didn't care about football anymore. And that's when you realized the, you saw him, he was late. He was showing up late and skipping meetings. And and he was, that's when he ended up getting benched, right? Like, so then the Jets benched him in week 17 against the Patriots. 
uh, when Todd Bowles benched him and Todd was trying to hold on to him and, and that happened. And then the next year you were like, oh, well, Greg Williams is coming in. Greg got the best years out of him in, 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 uh, in St. Louis when it was still the St. Louis Rams. And I remember talking to Tremaine when the Jets actually played the Browns when uh, Baker Mayfield's debut game. And uh, the, Tremaine just glowing about Greg and what he means and how good he is and how he loves his defense. I was like, oh, man, Tremaine's going to get even better. That blew up in his face, and it didn't even work. So the fact that they gave this guy, what was it, $72.5 million, so much guaranteed, and they didn't even get competence from him. I mean, they didn't even get solid play. I mean, it was it was bad. And then if you think about the Le'Veon Bell one, I think what, what makes that less bad a little bit is that there wasn't that much money guaranteed to Bell outside of like the first two years. Like like the first two years of the deal were where the money, but in year three, the Jets were going to be able to get out of it. Like the Jets are still paying Tremaine a shit ton of money. So that's a problem. But with Bell, I think his performance was even worse than what you got out of Tremaine. I mean, really, like, like Bell showed up in camp and from the beginning, it was like, something's off with this guy. Like he didn't like the, the passive running that he had with the the Steelers where he would take his time and wait for the hole and then dart through. That was just not there with the jets. That, that wasn't, that wasn't there because it was, he was, he looked slow. Like I, I remember that the one thing I can tell you about bell is like last year during free agency or last, last year, year during training camp because of COVID, like we, there were certain spots in the field where we could stand. We couldn't go to our normal spot, but like when the jets run this one field, we were behind the goalposts which was actually kind of cool because that angle allowed you to watch the offense from reverse when they were driving away from you. You could see like as a football fan, like it's kind of cool to see like how the blocking holes are opening and what they're trying to do and then see the running back dart through. And I remember standing next to Brian Cause and there was a, a, a run play where I don't know where it was designed to go, but Bell basically got the handoff, stopped in the backfield waited a half a second and then ran into like Alex Lewis's butt for no gain. But what was so weird was that like, and this is me, a reporter. Like, I didn't play running back. Like, I didn't do any of this stuff. Just to the right was a gaping hole, like a massive hole. And like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, how did he not see that? Because that was Bell's MO was like the vision and it's the patience and then picking the right hole and having the vision to get through. And I'm like, that's there. Like that is why, and that's why when people are like, why is Frank Gore getting more touches? The Jets are doing a disservice to Bell. Why are the Jets giving P Ryan touches? Like Bell looked bad. He didn't look good at any point with the Jets. And you can blame Adam Gase. You can blame the offensive line, whatever. Like Bell, it's also on Bell. Like you saw him, what did he do with the Chiefs? Like the guy did nothing. Like the guy, like the guy went from the Jets to the Chiefs, a team with a better offensive line, better coaching, and a team that clearly wanted him. And he did jack diddly poo with them as well. So like there was not like he's he's not the player he once was. And when you think about the Jets giving him, I think it was fifty two and a half million, if I'm not mistaken, and then whatever guaranteed, they didn't even get a hundred yard rusher. They didn't get one one hundred yard game from Le'Veon Bell last year or this year before they cut him. And then they they like he was so bad too that the Jets couldn't even trade him. Like, they couldn't even get a seventh-round pick for him, a sixth-round pick. They had to cut him. Like, that's that's just – and to give that much to a running back and and be and get that little in return, that's absurd. So, I mean, I honestly think it's 1A, 1B. Like, you can flip them interchangeably with between the Bell and the Tremaine. I think I guess with Bell, you can get out from it earlier so it didn't hurt the Jets for as long. And, you know, now it's a new era whenever. But, yeah, and here's another great one. Yeah, the one uh, – that this one just came up, Spencer Long. That was a, that was a, a bad signing. But I, the one thing I give – some slack to Spencer Long for is, yeah, he was a bad center for the Jets, but the dude also was playing with a mangled right hand the entire year. I mean, he was basically trying to snap without feeling. So, like, you get you give him some slack. Like, he was hurt. Like, yeah, he was a bad center, and he couldn't snap the ball, which is bad when you're a center. But he also, like, he was hurt the entire time. So, like, he got hurt very early, and he was a lineman. I remember talking to him after the season, and he said, he goes, like, he goes, I can't say it. He goes, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it on the record. He goes, because it's going to make me look t- like you don't talk about it. You, everyone's fighting through injuries. He goes, but I can't feel the football. He goes, I can't grip it. He goes, so I'm just trying to get it back there. He goes, but I can't grip the football. And the fact that like Jeremy Bates and Todd Bowles kept him out there over and over, it's like, dude, he's hurting the team. And then when they put Jonathan Harrison there, I mean, Harrison's not great, but like, you know, it's it, he was still better than what you were getting out of Spencer Long at the time. So uh, Spencer's up there, but he was hurt. I'm trying to think like, so 2014 or the 2015, 14, I was like part-time beat. 15 was McCagnan's first year. He actually had like the active because that was when he brought in Brandon Marshall, Darrell Revis and Crow and Buster Screen. They signed James Carpenter, who ended up being a really good player for the Jets. He's probably one of their best free agent signings was James Carpenter. 
Uh, because of that crazy free agent approach in 15, they were really passive in 16. So that's when they let like Chris Ivory go and they replaced him with Isaiah Crowell, which that was a pretty bad signing too. Cause that was the, when he got in trouble for, uh, wiping his butt with the football when the Jets played the Browns. And then mm-hmm. Todd was like, we can't have that. We can't have actions like that on the football field. The next day he signed a, a sponsorship with dude wipes. So I was like, and then it was like tweeting about it. I was like, man, you sure that message got through? <laughs> uh, but aside from that, like they didn't really sign anyone that free agency because they couldn't. They, could, they signed Matt Forte, uh, and Forte. I mean, they got more out of Forte than they got out of Le'Veon Bell for like fifty million dollars less. So that was something there. Uh, what was that? That was sixteen. Seventeen was when they were tanking. So that's when they cut everyone. So they didn't sign any because that was when they cut Brandon Marshall and they cut Eric Decker and they cut David Harris and they signed like Avery Williamson. Uh, Williamson was a pretty good player for them. That was a decent free agent signing. He just didn't, they, you know, they didn't need him anymore. And for whatever reason, Greg Williams hated Avery Williamson, which was odd. And then now we're here. Like, so 18 was kind of slow. And then now we're, we're here. So there was the bell and the, the, the Mosley signings and all that stuff. I honestly, I think the one signing was the one probably what would have been the best signing since 2014 was the guy who signed with the Jets and then left. And that was Anthony Barr. I think he would have been a great signing for the Jets. I really think I would have helped their defense out a lot. But yeah, I mean, there's been more more bad than good. And I, I I would say Tremaine one and then Bell two, but I can I can see the argument being made to put Bell as worst. Mentioned the year, you know, Levy and Bell signs after basically missing a whole year, which brings us to one other guy who could end up on this list, but incomplete right now, and that is C.J. Mosley, who. I mean, you look at the contract, yes. right? Five years, $85 million. We're heading into year three, and he's played three quarters. So at this point, he's clearly near the top of this list, but he could have three great years and be completely washed away. But you have to be concerned about a guy who played three quarters, missed the rest of the year, and then took the year off because of COVID. I mean, I don't know what, what we're going to see from C.J. Mosley, but that's Robert Sala talked about him during the press conference last week, too. Yeah, and that that's the wild thing. Like the CJ, I was actually talking about CJ with uh, Dan Duggan, who's our Giants reporter, and uh, Elliot Shore Parks, who covers the uh, the Eagles for WIP. We all used to work together at NJ.com, so we're still pretty close. And Duggan was asking me about CJ Mosley, and he goes like, "Man, he goes like, what do you like? What the hell's gonna come of that guy?" And the crazy thing is, is he has not played a full game since the 2018 season. And and the one thing I go back to, and and the reason why I'm not willing to say. Oh, he's looking. Oh, he's he might he's one of the worst or whatever because the Jets have only gotten X number of games. I mean, he had the groin injury, which basically the, basically a season-ending groin injury in the opener, which obviously sidelined him for for uh, the basically for the rest of 2019, and then he opted out of the 2020 season. But I think people forget how absolutely dominant he was those first three quarters. It's like against great the Bills. three quarters. I mean, We're gonna look back years un- from now. Wow, those unreal. three quarters. Yeah. Seriously though, like dude, like so when they signed him in that contract, I was like, man, the Jets run a 34. There's two inside linebackers. Will one inside linebacker really make that big of a difference? I mean, is he really worth 80 something million dollars? I mean, I was like, that seems like an absurd contract for a guy that doesn't sack the quarterback or stop a, a number one receiver. I was like, that's that's a lot of money. I was like, I feel like that's gonna be a mistake. But then those three quarters against the Bills, it was like, holy hell. The guy, like, I'm looking at the stats here. So he had Six tackles, an interception. Uh, the interception, he ran back for a touchdown. Two pass breakups and a fumble recovery. And the one pass breakup where he got hurt, he was 35 yards down the field and made a diving pass breakup over his head. And that's what he pulled the groin on, on, on what would have been a touchdown pass from Josh Allen to, I think it was a tight end. And it was like, holy hell, this guy, the Jets didn't pay the guy enough. And then the groin injury happens. It's supposed to be day-to-day. Like, that's the thing is Adam Gase goes, is like, oh, it's a day-to-day injury. He should be back. Misses week two. Misses week three, misses week four. And everyone's like, well, where the hell CJ Mosley comes back in on, uh, on uh, October 21st against the Patriots. And obviously he was, I mean, used the Patriots had a touchdown run uh, off the left side. Uh, I think it was like a stretch play or something like that. And CJ Mosley, you saw him at middle linebacker. And then he tried to break to like get to the outside to stop the play. And the guy couldn't run. Like he couldn't move. And as soon as you saw that, you're like, the guy's not okay. Jets took him off the field. He ends up on the injured reserve and hasn't played since. But if the Jets can get... CJ Mosley for those first three quarters against the Bills back. I mean, they're going to be a, a he's a he's a difference maker, and now he's going to be in a defense in a in a forty three defense where he's going to have more defensive linemen in front of him, which is going to allow him more free range to move left and right. I mean, it, people. I mean, the guy was a dominant player. He played what was it five years in Baltimore? He's a four time Pro Bowler, 2014, 16 through eighteen. He was a four time second team All Pro in two thousand and fourteen, sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen. I mean, he was a dominant dominant football player in his prime and now it's just a matter of what kind of player are you getting in cj mosley now moving out what kind of player is he going to be are you going to get 
Baltimore Ravens, CJ Mosley? Are you going to get first three quarters against Bill, CJ Mosley? Are you going to get a guy that hasn't played a football game, a full football game since 2018? You don't know, but I think a full off season is going to be very big for Mosley. I think a preseason is going to be very big for Mosley to get some reps in there. And then I think just seeing him, uh, I think I think he has a chance to be like a major hit or miss. I think it's going to be, I'm, I'm fascinated to see him play. I really am fascinated because it's very easy to forget how good he was. Those first three quarters are very, I mean, I remember watching him play and saying the Jets haven't paid him enough. Like he was that good. It was amazing. I mean, Anything? The, I mean, the defense with him on the field only allowed like one touchdown. Jets were up two touchdowns. I think they were up two, two or not two touchdowns. They were up two scores, if I'm not mistaken, against the yeah. Bills that game. Mosley goes down. Neville Hewitt comes in, and the the Bills basically went touchdown, touchdown, field goal. Like immediately after that, and the Jets lose. That was the Sam, Sam also had mono that game. He could have died. That's a wild. Talk about, talk about Jets flukes, man. He almost killed someone. Speaking yeah. of yes. Sam, we've gone 59 minutes and five seconds. We kept mentioning his name, but we didn't really get into it. Yeah. So, all right, Connor. There's oh, this a- is just, I realized, like, I'm, I'm rusty, man. We went from doing these podcasts twice a week. We're doing one every two weeks now. I'm rusty. <laughs> all right. I'm so rambling again. Every, everyone wants to know what's going on with Sam Darnold. Any rumors of the Jets trading him before the draft? Uh, Not yet, because the Jets still, there's not going to be, any, the Jets are not, they are answering the phone. They are not engaging in trade discussions with Sam Darnold until they are done their collegiate evaluation process. So they're telling everyone, call me back. So when the Jets get a call, I hear Echo. What do I hear, Echo? I think that's Marissa. Marissa, you got me echoing. Um, It's gone now. We're good. I can't do that. I just had to do a TV hit like that where I heard my own voice. I was like, I don't know how uh, this was hard. Like there was some feedback and they couldn't get rid of it. And I was like, oh my God, this is, so it was, uh, I fought through. Call that the mix, mix minus. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, oh man, tech, so tech terms. Go ahead. Yeah, I got a very brief uh, run into that right there. But uh, the Jets are not going to um, – they are not going to engage in any like, well, we want this, we want that until they finished. And that's going to happen on March 30th when I think it's Ohio State's the final of the big threes pro day with Trey Lance and, and Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. And it's really Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. I don't think Trey Lance – I know there's a lot of hype about him, but I don't think he's going to go number two. Um, but they're going to finish their evaluation of these guys. They're going to think, okay, is their ceiling higher than Sam Darnold's? If they say yes, they're going to draft the kid. And if they say, and they'll draft the kid and trade Sam. And if not, they won't. But I will say that after listening to Joe talk at that conference, the number one thought I came away was like, I don't think they're going to make a real heavy, heavy run at, at, uh, Deshaun Watson. The other thing was like, well, they're going to move Sam was that they're done with him. And, And I said this before the last time we were on this podcast, you don't do, this amount of homework you don't start doing all of this studying into a quarterback unless like if the jets thought were really like convinced like they were doing like you know minors they were crossing t's dotting i's on on some of these guys they were like all right like you know uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna go to the like joe douglas would have been at this if sam darnold was a top five quarterback he's still gonna go to trevor lawrence's pro day if they're you know if he's a, like they're still gonna go to these guys pro days but there there's just something about Listening to him talk, I came away with Sam is done. They're done with him. And it's just a matter of which quarterback they're going to take or are they going to wait to see if Deshaun's Watson's going to be available. I, I I came away – I would be surprised if Sam's this team's quarterback in 2021. I wouldn't. I, I just I, – I, the way that they were talking about it, we're going to answer the phone. We're going to answer the phone. You're not answering the phone if you're convinced he's a franchise quarterback. And that's what you need to be – to keep Sam. You need to be convinced that Zach Wilson and Justin Fields are not franchise quarterbacks, or you need to be convinced that Sam Darnold is a franchise quarterback. One of those two things needs to happen. Listening to Joe talk, the Jets are not convinced Sam Darnold is a franchise quarterback. They believe that he can be an okay quarterback. They think that they can win with him if they surround town. They don't think he's a franchise quarterback. On the other hand, they now need to figure out, do we think Fields or Wilson are? If they think Fields or Wilson is a franchise quarterback, they're going to draft one. They're going to draft whoever they think is a franchise quarterback, period. That's going to happen. It's just a matter of now, do they, they're trying to figure out if one of those guys is a franchise quarterback, but you're not taking phone calls if you think he's a franchise quarterback. You're not doing, you're not going to this extreme of a collegiate evaluation of these guys if you are convinced Sam is a franchise quarterback. And now it's just a matter of, is he or is he not? And, and it, when, in regards to Wilson or Fields, and, and I think that if, they finish this up and they say, well, all right, we don't think Wilson or Fields is a franchise quarterback. That's when you trade the pick to somebody who thinks he does and you build it around Sam. But if they think one of these guys is, and I think ultimately they will, whether it's, I think it's going to end up being Wilson. I think they're going to value it. And they're going to think Wilson's a, they'll be, Wilson will be this team's franchise quarterback and they'll trade Sam. Uh, as far as when it happens before the draft, 
The final pro day is March 30th. OTA start in April. I think you would have it happen in between there. Like you're going to have it happen between March and April where once the Jets finish up their evaluation, they know what they want. They'll start answering the calls and say, okay, what's our best offer for Sam? And they'll take the best offer. And if I think you're going to get at least a two, and if Joe Douglas can create a bidding war, you could get like a late first round pick. All right, good stuff. So there's so much going on right now in the NFL with free agency starting next week, and that takes us right into draft season after that. There's no better time to join The Athletic, and you can do that right now for just $3.99 per month. Go to theathletic.com slash the can't wait podcast, just $3.99 a month. Get all of Connor's great writing and all of our other NFL writers, NCAA tournaments coming around the corner. We have the great writers on that, baseball, everything you can get for just $3.99 a month. We're going to be back next week because it is free agency, uh, maybe a short emergency podcast uh, the moment a big signing happens or a longer podcast at some point. We'll let the news kind of determine what we do during free agency, but we'll be with you next week and then probably the, the following week as well to put a bow on it and wrap it all up. Until then, though, have a great week, everyone. Marissa, one more time, congratulations. Thank you, guys. And thanks to all the nice comments in the chat. I'm excited yeah. to bring you the latest with free agency, so keep listening. And wedding planning. Now we can start bouncing. I, well, I, I say wedding planning, having done absolutely none of it. But it's all great. We'll bring, we'll bring Bree on to, to chat with you on that. <laughs> yeah.